Hey Dragons, welcome to episode 38 of the podcast. This episode is with Marco Chica Garcia, the director of the short film To Be or Not To Be, based on the short story by Kurt Vonnegut. Really fun conversation with Marco. He is a phenomenal talent. Uh, we really enjoyed talking about the short film and then his work in VFX. Uh, anyways, I'm going to keep this short. Have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving for those of you who are he, uh, celebrating. And everyone else, have a great Wednesday and rest of the week. We'll talk to you on the next one. Work out, nerd out. In the basement, rolling dice. Rolling dice. I'm a wizard. When we play, we do it right. Candles flicker. Fighting dragons in my mind. In my mind. Just for kicks. DM says you're gonna Hello again, dragons. Welcome to another episode of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Today, I am joined by film director Marco Checa Garcia. Uh, Marco, hello. How are you? Hi, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. The thing I love about technology these days is you are all the way in Montreal, Canada, um, and it's like uh, we're right next to each other. Yes, yes, it's true. It's true. It's it's pretty amazing that we can we can do this right now. <laughs> yes. So thank you so much for being here. Um, thank you so much for making this short film. Uh, the main reason why we're here to talk is it's called "To Be or Not to Be," uh, based on the Kurt Vonnegut short story. Um, How did you get involved with the project, Marco? Oh, you know what? First, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. I got a little ahead of myself. Yeah, sure, of course. So yeah, my name my name my name is Marco Checa Garcia and I am I am original from Spain, as you can hear from my accent. You know, <laughs> I've been I've been living out of Spain for fifteen years and my accent is getting worse and worse. <laughs> I don't I don't know why. But anyway, it's kind of charming, some people say, so I don't know. Uh, basically I've been uh, I've been working in the film industry for more than fifteen years. I work a lot as VFX senior VFX artist in many Hollywood films like District 9, uh, Life of Pi, Iron Man 3. I also work in, in the TV show Game of Thrones that everybody loves and everybody likes. And then as well, I, 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 I work as film director sometimes from time to time, you know, and I have the chance to be the director of this really, really cool short film named to be or not to be that we are going to talk about today. Yeah. And I, 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 I've been living all my life in London, Vancouver, and right now I'm living in Montreal in this moment. Excellent. And tell us a little bit about to be or not to be. Yeah. So basically, uh, to be or not to be, Kurt Vonnegut is a very popular writer, but for some reason there are not many film adaptations about, his, about all his work. I don't know why he has like a lot of science fiction short films, a lot of really, really interesting, a very, very sarcastic, like socially sarcastic books as well. But there are not film adaptations. So two, my two producers, Artin John and Derek Pedersen, they, they were looking for a project to, to shoot. And then they found that to be or not to be this sort of story this science fiction sort of story is a is open domain in this moment. That means that there is no any copyright. Oh yeah. Like, 
yeah, it's open domain that like anybody, if you want, if you, Kenneth, you want to shoot a short film about to be or not to be, you just need to fill some paperwork, but there is no copyright. For some reason, it was, we, we, we thought that it was very interesting and we start developing the, the project, you know, and the project has been done in many different countries because it's a short film. So obviously people, you need people to collaborate and it takes a long time to do, you know, and basically we do it, we did all the shooting in Vancouver. Then the, the, the sound design was done in London, for example, by Martin Cadwell. And we, we were very lucky because, uh, Martin Canwell is the sound designer of movies like Casino Royale, for example. It's like a really, really, really top sound designer. And we, we sent him the short film and he was like, okay, I love it. I want to do the sound design for you. It was incredible. That's then awesome. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's absolutely amazing. When you, do the short, when you do a short film or a movie, my advice, if you are very happy with it, you need to start showing to people. And many people just, 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 just help you. And they, they you know... He has spent like one month of his time that is very, you know, very valuable just to help us doing the sound design. Then the editing was done in Sydney and the VFX were done in Mexico. <laughs> this like, is, yeah. This, so it's, this is a world production. I know, I know. It's only, it's only a short film, don't, don't get me wrong. But the thing is like you need people to collaborate, you know. And in Mexico, one, like two of my best friends, like Servin Sohian and Freddy Chavez, they open a VFX school in Mexico City that is is named Facet School of VFX, and the students they work in real projects. They don't work in, you know, they don't they practice and they work with real commercials and real short, short films. So they offered me to do the VFX there, and it was incredible. It was a massive experience for the students, and and it was great for us as well, you know. So yeah, as I said, it, it's been it's been a it's been a, a long ride, but. We are we are very happy with all the recognition we are getting right now. Yeah. Uh, before we get into all the accolades that To Be or Not To Be has gotten, just to give everyone uh, who hasn't heard of the Vonnegut short story and who hasn't seen your short film, To Be or Not To Be is a future post-apocalyptic uh, story. Uh, am I am I right? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. It's basically to be or not to be. What it shows is a dystopian, dystopian future where the population is strictly controlled. Basically, there is no room in the world for billions of people like now. So what happens is that is that the government creates a new bureau named the Federal Bureau of Termination to control the population growth. For this reason, if you have a new baby, imagine that you have a, your, your wife, you know, your girlfriend has a new baby, a newborn, somebody in your family or close to you needs to die. He needs to be, he needs to be executed so your baby can occupy his place. So this is the premise of to be or not to be. So the main, the main drama, the main drama twist in the, in the short film is when the main protagonist named Edward Kewelin He's in the hospital because his wife has triplets. You know, they have triplets for this reason. They need to find three people that they, they want to die or they want to be executed. So his kids, you know, can occupy occupy the place, you know. As you see, it's a very dramatic and very, 
very you can say sadistic situation and and you know that's the main premise of the of the short film yeah and it it was it was really hey when i first read that story by vonnegut and then when i saw it on film it's so sad but so like realistic in the sense that just society just kind of went along with it and we see so many times in our own societies where people have bad ideas with the best of intentions and people just kind of go along with it yeah i i honestly i, I don't know if it, this is going to happen anytime soon but it's a future it's a dystopian future that easily could could happen you know anytime like basically like we are we are getting we don't have any more resources in some you know in some countries the population is absolutely out of control so why not maybe in 100 years we we you know we get to this point where we need like this kind of absolutely strict population control that only somebody can be born when somebody dies at the same time to occupy the place you know so that could that could perfectly happen happen one day Oh, which I want to say that's some of the scariest type of science fiction. The type that is just far enough away that it may not happen, but it could happen. Right now with science fiction, like you have something like Star Wars that is so out there that we can all kind of say that it's it's fiction, it's never going to happen, as much as we all want to have the Force, you know, as much as we all want to be Jedis. With To Be or Not To Be, and maybe in some senses, even if you look at, like, Mad Max Fury Road, those are science fiction, but really close to what we're currently going through. Yeah, of course. Like movies like Mad Max or To Be or Not To Be, basically what they saw is, you know, is 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 the end of the process, you know? It's like the end when there is no more solutions and it's like completely apocalyptic. But you are right that we are going in that direction with population growth, you know, and with Mad Max with, you know, like like the oil is basically there is no more oil. And basically what's happening is like, it's not, we are not there yet, but, you know, we can see that, that maybe in 100 years we are going to be there. So, yeah, to be or not to be, it's like a mirror to, you know, what awaits us in the future, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it, even, even in a sense of if we look at it through, um, I don't know your opinions on this, and I, I don't usually get, I don't usually talk about the weather, but, like, we are polluting the earth at a crazy abnormal rate with more and more cars coming out and more and more production. So it's like, eventually we're going to have some serious shortages, like you said, in resources. Yeah, 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 that's true. That's true. And, you know, so basically, basically in the short film, what we show is like, like a city like Chicago, for example, Chicago, it has, I think, like, nine or ten million people in the short film the population it's they are allowed to have only half a million for example so that's an example about how it's necessary to control the population so half a million is the only allocation that the city has you know to be able to feed the people you know to be able to really these people 
or like like you know like basically like stay stay alive in this dystopian world. So that's an example about about you know what what could happen in the future. Well, and just to give everyone a little bit of an idea, um, in the in the short film To Be or Not to Be, they had strict control of the population of Chicago at five hundred thousand people. Just to give everyone an idea, in 2013, Chicago had 2.8 million people. So you're looking at yeah. ki- you're looking at killing 80 percent of Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's oh such a great film. Um, and it's it's won a decent amount of awards, right? Yeah, basically, like uh, why, why now? Right now, we are very excited because we got around around fifteen official selections and nominations in big festivals like Holy Source, LA Source, the London International Sci-Fi Festival, the Sydney Indie Fest, and also we got uh, nominations to Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Actor at the Montreal International Great Awards. So yeah, it's doing it's doing really well, and and you know, like finally we, we like just today we got an email from a, the most famous science fiction uh, film festival in New York. I, I can't say the name of the festival because it's not. They told me to don't don't say it yet, but they they love the film and they want to show it there as well. So yeah, all in all, all in all, we are very happy. Like when when you do a film. At the beginning, is you know usually it's a slow. You submit to all these festivals, and you know at the beginning we got like not many good news. You know it was like kind of a slow, but right now the last month was absolutely amazing. That's that's excellent. Congratulations! Yeah, and, thank you. And I did want to I did want to say you did mention best director at the Montreal. Yes, uh, Montreal. In, yeah. Congratulations! Yeah, thank you. That's great. <laughs> Also, what, I, what we re, what we realize is like what happens with the film festivals when you when you submit your film first to the to the first festival, like nobody knows about about the film, so it's very easy to to get selected. You know, no, it's very difficult. I mean, to get selected, but slowly when you are getting more and more nominations, all these festivals they talk to each other. It's like a network, and they can say, and at at some point, like they 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 know that your film is doing well. You know, and they are like, hey, they called you and they're like, hey, can you please submit here? Like, we want to see your film. So it's very exciting. It's like a slowly, slowly, you know, it's exponential. The more the more selection you get, the more easy it's to get into new festivals, you know. So at this moment, we are we are pretty happy. That's excellent. And uh, I think that's true in a lot of in a lot of fields with a lot of art is it's very it's very difficult to get selected early on in the process. Um, I, I equate it to like getting an entry level job. Yeah. It's the it, same. It's, it's very difficult, but then you start doing good work and people recognize the talent and the, the artistic integrity that is in a film um, like this one and people talk and then it gets easier and easier to get to bigger and bigger festivals. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know, it was like that, but, you know, it's like there are literally like thousands of film festivals in the world, you know. There are like 200 amazing festivals and there are like 1,900 festivals that they are not so great. But what is true is like they they talk to each other. They When, when you see your film, they go to Google and they check in Google. They say, okay, 
this festival, this, this film, let's see, let's see what's going on, you know? So they, they go to INDB, they go to Google, and they check if you, if you got any selections before. And if they see that, then at least I can guarantee that they watch the film. I don't know if you are going to get any award, but you, they watch it, you know? So that's, <laughs> that's pretty good. Like right now, festivals are getting thousands of submissions, thousands. So even if they watch the film, it's, it's, it, you know, it's pretty amazing. Something, something I want to say about, about my film, To Be or Not To Be, is like after, after listening to this podcast, you go to Google or you go to INDB, you are going to notice that there are like five or six short films with the same name. That's pretty funny. There are like five To Be or Not To Be films in this moment being produced or they are being done already. So what I want to say is like that's because... As I, as I said at the beginning, the, the short story is open, is free domain. There is no copyright. That's why like, there are other filmmakers like us that they decide to produce to be or not to be. And all I have to say is like, I didn't watch the other films. I'm sure they are pretty good. But the, the, one, the, the one that I direct, like Marco Checa Garcia direct, is the only one that is getting like recognition in festivals nominations and an official selection that's that's great so i just want to say that that if you if you are if you are curious and you wait, you check after this podcast just uh, the one that i directed is the one we are talking today here <laughs> <laughs> well and excellent and i will also make sure to include links to your website um and your social media stuff so everyone finds the right to be or not to be sure and my question to you is, if people are interested in seeing this film, where can they see it? Is it available yet? Or um, are there any plans for distribution and releasing it? Right now, unfortunately, it's not possible to watch it online because we, we apply to a lot of film festivals. And what, these festivals, they don't allow the, the film to be online. If, for example, we, we upload the film in YouTube or Vimeo, we get automatically disqualified to all this festival. That's why we need to wait a bit. And the, the only thing you can do is follow us in Facebook, you know, or follow us in Twitter. And then after that, uh, probably in around six months, we're going to be able to, to, you know, just upload the film free so everybody can watch it. But right now, that's something that is, is kind of annoying. But all these festivals they want exclusivity. So they, they you know, they, they tell you very clear, if we see that the film is online, we are, you are disqualified. So that's why, unfortunately, it's not available there. Understandable. And as with most good things, uh, sometimes you have to wait for them. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Then, like, the whole thing, the whole short film has been, like, two years. Since oh, wow. the beginning, the shooting, everything is, is a long process, you know, because the reason is like, it's not, it's only 15 minutes. It's not so long. But the thing about short films is like people collaborate. It's not like a, you know, it's not like a feature film where you have like two months to do it and, you know, and everybody gets paid. Short films are different. It's based, basically, it's like, it's based like people believing what you are doing. They think you are talent and they want to help you. Like Martin Canwell, the sound designer, as I said. He's a, he's a busy guy. He's doing sound design for Hollywood films all the time, you know, but he just sees something and he's like, you know what? I want, I want to help you, but you, you know, like you need to wait maybe six months until he's available for you. That's why it takes a long time. 
but you know, at the end, the important thing is like everybody's happy with the with the result. Yeah, absolutely. And is there a place, social media, website where people can go and see what film festivals this is playing, and then they can go see it, you know, in person? Yes, actually, you can. Like the best way to follow us is in Facebook. We have a Facebook page where we we have also an IMDb page. But IMDb takes more time to update, so the best way is the Facebook, the Facebook link that I guess you are going to add in the in your in your website. If you go to the Facebook, we upload all, the, we update all the time. You know where are the new festivals? So upcoming festival that we have is we have the Silicon Valley International Film Festival that is I think is in one month. Then we have a, right now, if for some reason you live in Sydney. We are official selection at the Sydney Indie Film Festival. It's a really, really, really cool festival. So we are going to be there. Like they screen our surfing, our surfing exactly, I think is October 19th, so in five days. And then after that, we have also the New York Science Fiction Festival. Like I can't say which festival it is yet, but that's going to be around, around January. And then we have two festivals in Vancouver as well, but I can't say the name yet either. So as I said, if you are interested and you, you want to have a look, just follow us in Facebook. And I'm sure I also, you know, it's really amazing watching, watching the film in a big screen. Like every time I watch my film in my computer or whatever, it's okay. But, you know, if you have the chance to, to watch it in amazing Dolby surround and big screen, that's for sure the, the best way to see <laughs> I know that feeling. Um, I have been a friend of mine has put together an independent film, and I've seen it numerous times um, screened at different festivals. But some of the festivals were smaller, and so it was just like done via projector onto like a wall or something. Um, and then for one of the film festivals, we actually got to watch it in a theater on the big screen with, you know, digital sound and the whole bit, and it makes such an amazing difference. Yeah, yeah. Like, for, for us, for example, we were we were official selection at the Holy Swords Film Festival. Like, Holy Swords is probably one of the three or four biggest festivals in, in, in L.A., in Los Angeles. And you are from Los Angeles, no, Kenneth? Yes. Okay, so you, I'm sure you know about this festival. Yes. Holy Swords is really, really, is really big. And... The best thing is like the screenings are in the Chinese theater in Hollywood Boulevard, you know? So, you know, you know, the Chinese theater is probably the best theater in LA, you know? Yes. So when we went, we went, we, we flew, we flew to LA and we, we, my, my two producers and me. So we, we were watching the film in that big screen and almost, I was, I was almost crying because <laughs> it was incre incredible to watch it in that amazing screen with the incredible sound, you know? So yeah, it really, I watched the film probably 3000 times. Oh, wow. <laughs> when you are the director, like you watch it, I, I, I actually got like sick of it sometime, <laughs> but when you watch it in a big screen, it's just absolutely incredible. Excellent. That's excellent. And I will be sure to link everyone. So hopefully they can get that in person theater experience when they watch this. Um, but let's, let's segue a little bit into more of your career uh, and how you've kind of uh, worked in the industry. You have worked with on some of my absolute favorite movies. 
Yes. Um, you, you're, you've done a lot for Marvel. You were working with Iron Man 3, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Yeah, um, Thor, Thor as well. Yes. You know, Thor as well. I work on that one. And yeah, like, like I've been working in VFX for a long time, like, you know, a senior, senior artist. I am a senior compositor in VFX, you know, so that's the, yeah. per, that's the person that you need to assemble everything at the end. It's a really, really stressful work and you need to be like a very artistic eye. You need to know a lot about color, to know a lot about, you know, about how to create a photoreal image. So, yeah, I've been doing this for a long time. Like, maybe too much, maybe too long. I've been doing this for too long. Like, that's, 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 that's the thing about what's happening now in BFX is absolutely crazy. Like, basically, like, like 20 years ago, you have movies like Fight Club or Gladiator. Those movies, they have maybe 200 shots with BFX. Only 200. They were very well done, but 200, 300. Now, right now, any given movie right now, the normal thing is like 2,000 shots. Oh, like wow. The, the, the latest Star Trek, or for example, the, the last movie I worked is uh, Alice in Wonderland 2, the, the, the second part of Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, and with, with yes. uh, Johnny Depp and yep. uh, Anne Hathaway. And Elena, Elena Bohan Carter as well. So that movie, uh, that movie was 2,000 shots. So it's... And, it's so much work right now in VFX, but the times are less and less. Like the production times are less. You have like six months to do 2,000 shots. So it's becoming, it's becoming like a very, very, very st stressful environment. Like, I mean, I'm happy. Like if you are a VFX artist and you live in Vancouver or you're in Montreal, you are going to have so much work. So it's, it's great because, you know, like economics are not like amazing in this moment. Basically, but we are lucky because our profession has like so much work, but it's very, it's very taxing at the same time. For example, like, like the last year, I worked one year in Alice in Wonderland, one year, and I work only like in 25 shots. So if, if you put together all my work, it's like less than one minute. Oh, wow. One year working in one minute of the movie, but obviously these are like big shots with a lot of CG animation you know, incredibly stressful. So that's why, that's why like what we BFX artists, we usually do is like we work a lot, very intense for some time. And then you need to stop two or three months because it's can be, can be taxing, as I said, you know, yeah. and also Kenneth, something very interesting that is happening the last 10 years is like the, the geographic situation of the BFX production has changed a lot. Like before in the 90s was L.A., of course. L.A. and London were the main places where all the VFX were done. Big companies like Digital Domain or NPC, they were doing all the work in, all the work in these Hollywood films. But what's happening now is like everything has moved to Canada, basically. So Vancouver and Montreal are the two main places for working in VFX in this moment. LA is, is really, really bad right now. For, I have many friends living in LA and there is not almost no work for, there is no almost like film work for VFX. Everything has moved basically because the Canadian dollar is very low and also because the Canadian government gives you like tax, tax free incentives if you produce your movie in Vancouver, for example. So that's why all the artists are moving right now to, to Canada. Okay. How did you, how did you get started in the industry? 
Yeah, I was a, I was an avid editor, like you know, avid this editing system, like when I was like 20 years old, and then I I start to see all the possibilities of working with digital, you know, digital media, and then I get I get interested about when I went to watch movies, like you know, I was like, how how are they doing this, you know, how I I, I couldn't understand how I was an editor, so I couldn't understand how they create something in the computer and they transfer that to, you know, to film. So I started to study myself. Um, and, you know, at the end, a lot of people that work in VFX, they, they learn by themselves. You have like a lot of schools right now, like okay. my, my, my two friends, uh, Sherwin and Freddy, they have, as, as I said, this uh, a school in Mexico, Facet, is great. You have many schools like, like this one. But what's happening is like uh, basically most of the people they learn by themselves, and you just get your first work, and then slowly you start to build a reel and a CV, you know, and you can you can. As I said, there is so much work right now that if you work in one movie or you work in a small TV show, I can guarantee that you are going to have three or four offers to work in VFX if you live in Vancouver. Or Montreal. So then I, I just start to learn compositing by myself. And then I moved to London. I was living in Madrid, in Spain. I took a plane. I went to London two months. And then I, I was working. It was that easy, you know? Oh, wow. And then, yeah, it was like, like a lot of demand. So, I, you know, I, I was really bad at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I was very, very inexperienced. But slowly I start to build my career and then when you are in a right now, I work I work like in maybe like forty two movies right now. So when you get like a long and extensive career, like basically I don't have to look for a work anymore. They just call, they just call me. I, I I arrived to Montreal two months ago and I have like three offers to work in Montreal. Even I, I'm I am on holidays in this moment. So it's like really a, it's like a lot of demand. So but it's not for everybody, as I said. Is if you stress out very easily, it's not the right environment because you know can get very very stressful. Yes, and that's that's important for people to understand that it's not just all fun and games, Hollywood glamour. It's a lot of like you said, you were working on that one. Uh, you were on Alice Through the Looking Glass. You were working for a year yes. on less than a minute of film. Yeah, but that. That's not me. That's all the VFX artists. Like, like, like in that movie, they were like, I think it was like maybe one thousand VFX artists. All of them they work in small chunks of the movie. What they work in small chunks. Like some people work like two or three months in one shot. When you see a massive shot, like a massive explosion, like you know, like an incredibly complex shot, people really like like people spend three. Like a team of ten people spend maybe three months or two months working only in that shot. Wow. Yeah. That's that's pretty incredible. It's um, very funny. It's very funny what you said, Kenneth, about the, gla the glamour. That's something that we always make jokes because when people ask me, what, what is my profession? And I say I work in movies, like people is like, oh, wow. So you, you, I'm sure you know all these actors, you know, you need, <laughs> you, need you know, Johnny Depp and you, I'm sure you are a friend of. Elena, you know, like this director and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's completely the opposite. When you work in VFX, it's like, it's not very glamorous at all. You are sit down in a computer in the darkness for many hours. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not, it's not like a very social, social work. But as I said, I'm, I'm very happy. Like basically, you know, 
it, you know, it, the money is really good. They pay you very, very well. So I can't complain. I'm, I'm very happy. Well, there you go. So you've worked on a few other, uh, you know what, what you worked on game of Thrones, yes. uh, which is pretty much everyone's favorite television show right now. How did you get, how did you, they, did they approach you with that? Yes, basically, basically, I was working in a in a company, and in Vancouver, and it, it was as, as, as at that time it was a small company. It was maybe like fifty people, um, you know. Like basically, we like the, they were looking for some some you know one company specialized in in character animation. So we work in two episodes of Game of Thrones of the the season five. There is a there is one of the the ending of the season five. It's like it's one episode named the children. It's like when the children are escaping, they are they go through the snow like you know like two. I don't remember two. This is one of the Starks guy, the Starks kids and the other kids. They are going together in the snow and then suddenly they are attacked by like some kind of skeletons some zombies, skeletons, you know, so we work on that. All the skeletons in that, in that episode that they are moving and attacking the kids, they are, they are done with VFX. They are all CGI, basically. So we work, we work on that. Um, and yeah, like my company, like, like basically the Game of Thrones production company approached my, my company and then we were working on that for three months, I think. And it was really good because at the end we we got an Emmy. We got an Emmy. Emmy, my team got an Emmy award for the best VFX that year. So that was that was really good. Oh. But as I said, I I didn't win the Emmy. It's like a team. It's a teamwork. You know, it was like yeah. fifty people. We all the fifty guys. We all won the won the Emmy, and it was very interesting. Excellent. That's awesome. And. Um, are you planning on doing any more work for Game of Thrones at any time or not on your radar? No, I don't think so. I don't think so because right now I think, <clears throat> I think I'm think i going to work in a movie, probably next. I don't, I'm not going to work in television. Like right now I, I'm moving, I, I moved to Montreal and the, the company that I used to work in Game of Thrones was in Vancouver. Okay. So my next project right now is like, my next project as director is... I, I'm I'm trying to develop to adapt a comic book into a feature film, and uh, I can't say the name yet. But sure. basically, basically, it's not like a Marvel comic or anything like that. It's an European comic from the '80s. I, I read it when I was uh, when I was a, ca- a kid, and I really like it. And my producers and me were trying to get the copyright. I mean, we're trying to get the rights to produce a feature film. Um, you know, like, like my, to be or not to be, my short film is doing really well. That's why this is helping us to get some funding and some stuff. So this is like my, my next director, uh, project, but it's going to take a long time. Maybe it doesn't happen. So we don't know. And then as VFX artists, uh, I'm going to try and start looking for work in, in Montreal. Like <clears throat> there are like many companies as well. And probably, for example, the next Star Wars movie, the number third, the number three, is going to be done all the VFX in Montreal, mo- most of them. So that's why I could have the option to work on that. So you've worked on various genres of films. You've worked in like the Marvel superhero films. You did some work on Furious Seven, Fantasy with Alice, and then you know Action, Pompeii, R.I.P.D. Life of Pi, stuff like that. 
Personally, when you're sitting down to watch a movie or watch a TV show, what is your favorite genre to watch? Usually, my the genre I like is science fiction. That's the one I, I really enjoy, you know, because it's like that. That's why I, I the short film I direct is science fiction as well. You know, I really like it. I think the movie I, I most like is Alien. Oh, Alien. yeah. The really Scott movie. It's like the movie I, I don't know. I, I watched it like five hundred times, and then two thousand and one, Space Odyssey. Those two movies are what I really, you know, is my fascination for film comes after watching these two movies. And yeah, basically, that, those are the science fiction is usually the best. So movies I work usually the the the, the movies we worked. I don't like most of them. You know, I think one of the reasons is because we we work so many hours and so much stress that you don't want to see the movie after that because it reminds you of all the work. But for example, the movie I work, the two movies I work that I really really enjoy are District Nine, the director Neil Blomkamp, it's an amazing movie, and then Life of Pi, like they you know it got many Oscars like three years ago. Those two movies are re I really enjoy. But as I said, sometimes I there are movies that I work and I, I never watch it because you know it's I, I it was so stressful that I prefer to watch something else. <laughs> I can definitely see that. That's I definitely feel you on that one. So you were saying when you started doing VFX that it was really self-driven and it was really a lot of doing your own learning. Do you? have any recommendations where people can go if they want to get started um, and do some of their own education and learn about it, do a lot of stuff on their own? Yes. Uh, basically, like, what I think is like, like you, can, you can learn the basics by yourself. It's always good to go to a school, but I know, I know, I know people like, you know, I know people that they like, you know, I have friends that they, they just start reading the manual of some softwares, they started watching tutorials in the internet, and they, they did a very small showreel. They download footage from internet. They did a small showreel with no experience at all, like to be an animator or to be a compositor or to be a CG lighter. And what happened is like they they found they found a work. Like I know somebody that with zero experience, no experience at all, he was able to check a few tutorials online. And, and, and she was offered a work in Vancouver, obviously on an entry level, ju a junior level, but I don't know any other profession where with no experience at all, you can find a work so easily. So, you know, that's the thing. You can do it yourself. Of course, it's always good to go to a VFX school, but some schools are, can be outrageously expensive. Like, for example, in Vancouver, we have the Vancouver, Vancouver Film School, and they have a VFX program that it costs, I think, around $60,000. Yeah, sixty grand for for two years of one year, right? I, I'm not sure. You can, I mean, you can, you can, you can pay a, the down payment of a house with that money. So my point is like, it's super, super expensive. And then you have other schools that they are, they can be very, very interesting. And, you know, like, like, Right now, VFX is so hot. It's so much demand that there are many schools. But my advice is 
do it yourself, try to learn by yourself, and then maybe when you know something, go to one of these schools that do a three-month course that that's always interesting. Something that happens in VFX is like none of the big, big studios that they are hiring people, like all these studios, they are so hungry for new, new people, they never they never ask you to show a diploma or to, you know, it's not like when you are, you are a lawyer and you, 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 you go to work for a law firm, the first thing they ask you is, can you, can I see your, you know, can I see your law degree? We want to see if you really study. In yeah. BFX, it's not, yeah, BFX is not like that. BFX, the main thing is the showreel. The showreel is a, this a small video, like two or three minutes long, Showing all the shots you work you work in the past. This uh, showreel is basically the only tool, like the 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 you know the the human resources people is going to use to hire you. And they talk to each other. Obviously, it's like hey, you know this guy. It's like a network, of course. But I I've been working as I said in more than forty movies, and I never ever asked me for my find for, for my film degree or for my study. They never ask for that. They only want to see my story and then they hire me after that. Okay. Can I ask you what um, program you like the best or what program for doing the video uh, effects editing you find most helpful for people just getting into it? It depends. It depends on what you want to do. That's the problem with VFX. Like VFX basically... There are like a lot of different categories, you know, you have animators, you have lighters, you have compositors, you have trackers, all these, all these, uh, all these artists, they use their own tool. Like there is a tool, a software specific for every, for everything, you know, okay. and one thing I'd, I'd advise, I think it's not a good idea to be a generalist. What we call, what we call generalist is somebody that knows a bit of everything. He know he's very good compositor and he's a good lighter and he's good animator. Nowadays, you need to specialize. You need to decide what you like. It's like okay, I like to be a compositor. I like to be a lighter, and then go for go for there. You know, you can't you can try. It's so huge the amount of things and the amount of tools that we use that it's difficult to know all of them. You need to focus only in one specialty. Oh, Marco, that was such a great conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for sharing your experience. And thank you so much for sharing To Be or Not To Be. I know everyone out there listening is going to be super excited to find a film festival and see it. Thank you. Thank you, Kenneth. Uh, I'd like to say thanks to all the crew in the short film, in my short film, To Be or Not To Be. Thanks for all the dedication and hard work that we are getting a lot of recognition right now. So, and especially, I'd like to say thanks to my two producers, Artin John and Derek Pedersen. Artin is a very talented actor and producer as well. Like, he, he was in The X-Files, for example, recently. And Derek is a very talented scriptwriter and producer. And they are very young and very ambitious. And the best thing for me, for uh, after To Be or Not To Be, the best thing was to meet these two guys. And I'm sure we are going to be doing more interesting things pretty soon. Excellent. Excellent. And gosh, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing what all of you do again together. Thanks, Kenneth. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right, Dragons. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We will catch you on the next one.
Thank you for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes as well as a rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And while you're at it, follow us on all social media at Dumbbells Dragon. That includes Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchat. Until next time, work out, nerd out.